We're back, episode 46 of Built for Better. Today's guest was Jade Spooner. Uh, I was really excited about this one. This is why I started a podcast so I could interview uh, amazing guests like this. Jade is the founder of Equolution. Uh, it's a flexible dieting nutrition company uh, that's breaking down the walls that you've got to eat super clean and you've got or you've got to do intermittent fasting or you've got to do uh, cut carbs or fat. Uh, it's a really good concept. They give away lots of really good content on Instagram. Um, she's got a book, I Do Not Diet, that I've just got yesterday uh, that's really, really good as well. Uh, but before we get into it, let's roll the intro. I'm sick of us not doing this right. That's why I think I'm cutting you from my life. No more. I'm sick of us not doing this right. That's why I think I'm cutting you from my life. No more wasted energy spinning a pace for every hour of waste. I need an escape to center me. And I don't mean to make a rush for the door, but time's a currency. I'm currently poor. I'll be leaving it soon. I don't mean to be rude, but this scene ain't for me. Like your mom's seeing your nudes. Jade, thank you so much for jumping on. Um, I really have followed your journey for a long time, and uh, I'm really grateful for you taking the time out of your day to speak with me. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on. I can talk underwater, so <laughs> having a yarn. <laughs> I just see you've got your first uh, episode of your podcast released. Yeah, and I actually just recorded um, my second one just like probably half hour ago as well, which was um, a real hoot. I'm loving it. Like I just I love chatting. I've always been very chatty and um, I love having people that like inspire me, my company and things like that. So, yeah, it's been really cool so far. I'm enjoying it. So obviously, evolution um, yeah. changing people's lives through um, education around nutrition. Yeah. Uh, before we speak about that, do you just want to tell us a little bit about your upbringing and what's led you to getting into this? Yeah, sure. Um, oh, I just got goosebumps. It's so weird. Um, I get really reflective when I think about you know like where I started to where we are today because as a person and as you know a, a businesswoman, it seemed it's a fast stretch from like where I began. So. I'm originally from um, a place in the Southern Shire called Menai, which is um, sort of like, it's not the most upmarket area, I guess you could say, um, but I always attribute it to making me quite like humble and grounded and whatnot today because I didn't come from money or anything like that. And I just kind of worked really hard. But um, when I was younger, I was always an academic at school and I did the noble thing. And when I finished um, my HSC, got good grades and whatnot and I just went straight into law because that was sort of the thing that you did if you were an academic and all the while I kind of knew in my heart of hearts that it wasn't for me I knew that I wanted to have my own business but I didn't necessarily know what I wanted to do but I did use those you know those um, education years just to sort of ground myself learn I guess a bit of work ethic because I was working a couple of jobs at the time Um, but I just didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do and then I started um, fitness modeling So that came off the back of um, meeting my business partner out and about um, after high school. So we kind of like reconnected again and she'd lost a lot of weight. I said, you look fantastic. Tell me how you did it. And she said, look, just come and train with me. So we started training together and I got really um, involved in in fitness and um, I was on a a weight loss pursuit and I got um, really into fitness modeling at that time. So kind of taught me like a lot of um, discipline, but then it also sort of like lit my fire and passion for the health and fitness industry. So I guess that kind of led me to evolution, but pre-evolution, I wasn't sort of doing anything along those lines and I didn't come from a long line of doctors or med scientists or anything like that. It just, yeah, it was just like fell into the industry. And obviously you come across flexible dieting, mm-hmm. um, similar to the way I did. I tried every diet under the sun. 
Yep. What's your reflection on that? Honestly, mental and physical, it's been a complete life changer, which is why I vowed to give that experience to as many people as I could in, you know, my working years. Um, So basically I was a really restrictive dieter when, you know, coming off the back end of that story of meeting Amal and then her and I training together for fitness modeling shows. um, I was the chicken and broccoli girl, fish and asparagus, small cup of oats for breakfast type thing. And it just physically wasn't working for me. Like we were asking questions and that's when we sought answers through science was because it was the only thing that explained why we were doing everything by the bodybuilding books and not getting the results that we're after. And um, I guess it goes to show that there's, you know, like a not a one size fits all approach in regards to nutrition. And that's what we really early on learned. And I guess it wasn't so much just about the results per se, but also the mindset uh, revolution that we experienced through going through having a better relationship with food, essentially. So we went from fearing food, categorizing food as good and bad to just embracing food numerically and having a really balanced diet. So the ethos of my business evolution is 80% whole food, 20% soul food. And that's exactly as an individual, what I practice in my nutrition practices for myself as well. And I think that's the way that you should practice life too, right? So you can burn the candle at both ends and be, you know, really extravagant in your approach to, you know, work or, you know, your training or fitness or whatnot. Um, But without that 20%, simply not sustainable. And it just comes down to your total calories for the day. Right. Calories in, calories out. Macronutrients are really on, really early on, knew that it um, well learned, but then also saw the proof in the pudding plays a really fundamental part in your body composition. So I remember when we were clean eating, um, just my body comp was just a bit off, you know, like I carried body fat in stubborn parts of my body. And I would say that my business partner was more on that skinny fat side. I know that's a really like harsh term to say, but the juxtaposition is really what a lot of females experience. They might be thin on the outer, but they might not be happy with their tightness and their tone. And I think a lot of that does come down to um, macronutrients. And well, I know it comes down to macronutrients and essentially, yeah, I was the proof in the pudding there. So it was calories in, calories out, but then also meeting your macronutrient requirements as well, overall protein, fats, and carbohydrates. Yeah. What's your feeling towards um, fat and carbs? Obviously they have a place, but does the percentages matter too much? It does, I, I believe, in regard because, you know, you have to sort of think about macronutrients as having, you know, an important part in the whole in the whole pie, I guess. Like it's kind of like each are an ingredient and together they make, you know, one complete picture. And when you're talking about fats, like particularly in the instance of, you know, females, um, it's a hormone, it's, it's largely related to your hormone regulation and whatnot. So getting those numbers out of whack it does have, it can have detriment on, you know, particular functionalities of your body, even um, things like, your, you know, your, your mindset and whatnot, because if you're restricting one particular macronutrient, say, for example, carbs, um, you know, your brain functionality and essentially overall energy may suffer, which in turn makes you fatigue, you might feel less motivated, inclined to, you know, do more and, and be more and whatnot. So I guess like everything has like a, a repercussion. But in regards to fats and carbs, it's definitely the combination that particularly females get extremely wrong, extremely wrong. The reason being is um, a lot of paleo keto diets inflate those fat contents, which is just not good for your body. Um, and it takes away from carbohydrates. Again, not good for your body, your body needs carbs and the, the percentages can be all out of whack. So I say 
really, really loosely, like very, very loosely um, in regards to like a generic split. The 40-40-20 approach is the usual, like if you were to say there was one size that fits all, that could be it or, or you know, um, a little bit less protein, a little more carbs, keep fats between 20 to 30%. Yeah, for sure. But overall, calories are king. Right. Calories king. Yep. And you should never, um, you should never go over or under your calorie intake chasing macronutrients either. So you should always just regulate your cows. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like we're at a stage where everyone's so fed up. They've tried everything. And, you know, it's not so much that they've failed, it's what they've tried's failed them because they're trying to cut out foods they love. And that's what I love about what you're doing. You're still allowing that, but you just got to make it work for you. And I think as well, second to that, I think the diet industry has failed people as well. Like there's so much misinformation. When my business partner and I emerged in the industry as, um, you know, we were diet followers rather than diet leaders um, in the early days, like before we started the business, you know, like we were let down, like we were following fitness models who were doing cookie cutter plans and whatnot. And I even, you know, this morning I trained at my gym and one of my um, instructors is prepping for a show we just had like a little chat and she was sort of saying that she was a little bit concerned because her show is in October. This girl trains twice a day and her coach has got her on a restrictive diet and on 1600 cows a day. I'm just like, mate, you, your, your total daily energy expenditure would be 2,500 plus like easily. You're a personal trainer, like the most highly active bracket in terms of daily expenditure and this guy has got you on 1,600 calories when your show's in October, mate, like, welcome to the hellhole of dieting, you know, like that. And I didn't deliver like that, obviously. I was a bit more sensitive. But, I mean, like, that's the industry that we're party to, right? And some people just haven't hit the nail on the head with it. And there is some people that are still facilitating nutrition plans that are just such a far cry from what science can allow for in terms of overall balance and then also what it requires for overall results. So while that's still the case, that's why I feel like, you know, evolution has a place and a message. Yeah. On the back of that, I obviously am a PT and I work very closely with my clients with nutrition. And the common thing I get is, can I really eat that much food? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a very, you know, where it comes from, it comes from the 1200 calories a day stigma. Um, really, really common, especially females. We get it all the time. We particularly get it around our challenge periods because you have these people that go into a period of dieting with the mindset that I'm just going to give 100% for eight weeks straight, um, which is not essentially what we practice as a, a company, but it's just an entering mindset that a lot of newcomers do, you know, bring with them. And um, they just think they they will be starving for eight weeks. And then at the end of the eight weeks, they will great and they'll just resume to normal life, which it's, you know, metabolically, it has repercussions mentally it has repercussions physically it has repercussions going in with that mindset and adopting a practice that facilitates that it's just not healthy right so yeah I mean like a lot of women would be really surprised to know that they maintain on 2,000 odd calories a day I mean I um just did a challenge in February it was called the calendar club it was crazy mental you run a kilometer for the to the date so like you start on 1k you end on 28ks in Feb it was insane. It was insane. And um, towards the end, like the back end of those days, like I was, I was burning like 3,200 cows. And most women would hear that 
some some teachers and whatnot will be on their feet the entire day, hairdressers on their feet the entire day, and then they'll do a gym session at night or in the morning. And they'd be really, really surprised to know they burn, you know, around the 2,500 calorie a day mark, which means they can eat that and not gain weight. And a lot of for a lot of people, that's just an unfathomable concept. Yeah, for sure. Um, Ecolution, would you have ever dreamed that it's grown this big? I knew, I knew it was going to, yeah, I knew. Like from the get-go and it wasn't so much I was driven by like numbers or reach or financial gain or anything like that. I just, if I could have personified the company, I just knew that it had a really uh, beautiful personality and it was it meant business, like it was ready to to, to talk the talk and um, it just it stands for something. So I did foresee that. I just felt this was going to happen. I gave up a lot for this business and so did my business partner. And I just feel like we wouldn't have done it had we not known that it would have gone the whole the whole way. And it's still got, don't get me wrong, like we are just, we've done a drop in the ocean in comparison to what we want to achieve. But it um it's definitely made a little mark so far, yeah. Yeah, so you got you and your business partner. Um, yeah. Obviously started it. What's it evolved into now? Um, so we started it as a manual business. So we used to communicate with our clients on Facebook chat. Um, we used to send them meal plans that we used to construct using MyFitnessPal. We used to use a web platform of MyFitnessPal to copy the document, put it onto a Word doc, cut all of the MyFitnessPal branding, add our own manually, save it as a PDF, send it on Facebook for every single client every single week um as me and Amal and now we have 20 nutrition coaches that are like dietitians nutritionists and whatnot fabulous girls fabulous vibe the office is we have an office space which is um just a real good energy circulated place to be um and we have a mobile app so we actually um evolved the business into the tech space and we built our own calorie counting tool within the app, as well as the ability to be able to check in with us weekly, receive, you know, chat messages all through the app and take a meal plan also from the, receive a meal plan that we personally construct through the app as well. So it's evolved. <laughs> and obviously um, you made that sound pretty easy. The app development look, it's the first time I've choked in this whole in, in this whole chat. Um, hard really, really hard, like um, financially taxing, physically taxing, um, even for me personally, not so much my business partner, but for me, it was a little bit emotional because um, a lot of my original role got made redundant through the app. And um, I always say like still some of my greatest moments in the workspace is doing what I did on day one, which is getting in the trenches and, you know, being a coach and like, you know, talking through our relationship with food hardships, binge eating behaviors and all that kind of stuff. So I do think that um, having that process transition and change on like a front end basis, it um, was definitely like an adjustment for me as well. What's your opinion on binge eating? Like say I was to go out tonight and, you know, Mm -hmm. eat whatever I want, drink a thousand beers and, you know, the next day should you drop back into a pretty severe deficit or just get straight back on track? This is something that I'm really passionate about because this was my previous dieting experience. So Amal and I are a really good yin and yang combination and it's why we were really good coaches when we were on the tools because Amal became fearful of food from a background of losing like quite a significant amount of weight in 
a fairly short amount of time. Whilst on the other hand, I was a highly restrictive eater um, and I always really battled with um, my love for food and my ability to enjoy that without guilt. So my cycle was very binge and restrict. And just coming off the back end of that and also the experience of working with so many binge eating um, clients and people that are recovering from the disorder, um, I definitely don't think that restricting the following day you know, mindful of a previous night's episode is the way to go. I, I always say, you know, shake it off and get back on the horse. And second to that as well, I always say that, you know, you shouldn't aim to be perfect. So if you're, you know, recovering from binge eating, you shouldn't aim to never binge eat again. Like it's just, unfortunately, it's just not realistic in the spectrum of how long the habit's probably been around for, but rather sort of look to progress in your severity of your binges. So if you're used to, you know, smashing a pizza and then a block of chocolate and then, you know, a tub of ice cream and whatnot, which sounds bizarre, but it actually does happen to people. Um, instead of, you know, that approach, maybe like if you're exceeding your calories by like 5,000, let's taper back and let's work on the severity of those binges. And then before you know it, that will become sort of like, I guess, a past habit um, and you move into recovery. Yeah, and what I think you guys do really well is your content game. Um, Strong. <laughs> yeah, like just breaking down for people who think that protein balls are good for you and putting it next to something else. Uh, it's really surprising. It definitely is. And I think we emerged in the industry in a time where raw treats, um, you know, healthy takes on things that you would classify as an indulgence were quite a trend. Um, but in actual fact, they were serving real no additional benefit than having the real deal, which people restrict themselves from. So it was really important for us to send a message. It was really important for us to send a message about the science. And then it was really important for us to send a message about breaking stigmas about good food and bad food. So um, all in all, like the content, it's as much as like a lot of people would log on to Instagram and say like, oh, that's, you know, calorie comparison and, you know, whatnot. It's, there's a lot of like heart and soul that goes behind our, our content um, and it comes from a place of, you know, looking at, at the industry and looking at diet trends and looking how people are making food choices and sort of saying like, no, you've got to consider X, Y, Z that you're perhaps overlooking at this point. Yeah, you're really looking out for the people who, who do think they are doing the right thing and they are getting that asahi bowl and yeah. not realizing that it is you know upwards Definitely. Of like 100 cows yeah yeah what um what do you think is i guess the next step with or nutrition in general? nutrition yeah i think people are starting to catch on to an 80 20 approach um I think they're doing it in a really welcoming with open arms kind of way. When we first emerged into the industry, there was a lot of reluctance and it was almost a trend to where with the badge of honour, you know, how restrictive could you be? I remember there was this hashtag trend that Amal and I did and it was like 30 days cheat free and stuff. And it was when people were clean eating and then doing cheat meals on the weekend. So then people would like all like, you know, gather around and um, and get amongst sort of like trying to restrict themselves for a longer period of time is absolutely possible. And I think instead of that trend these days, people are more so embracing, I don't know, a more balanced lifestyle. And I do, I do credit a lot of influences for that as well, just being like 
highly transparent, you know, I'm not perfect all the time or, you know, I still eat chocolate every day and, and then adding on the education around flexible dieting too. Like I know in, in our industry, someone that I um, really look up to is Lane Norton and Lane Norton's done a great job at like paving the way for, you know, our space. He kind of does the hard work in terms of like he's a PhD man and, and he, he knows the hard sciences. And then I feel like my job as the, no ordinary person is to translate that for our audience you know so not to say that like we're ripping off late order or anything like that but I, I you know there's a really complex science behind some really simplistic com concepts and I think you know um, I like to translate in in the simplest way for the ordinary person to understand you know I just I like to do that yeah, most people don't need to know the science. They just need to know what they do because that confuses yeah. them. Like we can all get online and we can research weight loss, but there's a million different things come up. And I think that's where the confusion begins. Yeah, well, I mean, for me personally, like when I first started the business uh, with Amal, I was in, I was head of you know marketing and content as I still am. And I used to research for weeks and weeks and weeks when I used to write on topics like, I used to write how much protein does your body actually need? What do um, carbs and meal timing, you know, have in common? And I used to get online and I used to research. I used to use citations. I used to footnote and I used to really back my responses. But at the end of the day, like my mum wasn't going to log on to our blog and say, oh, yeah, so-and-so when they did that study in Massachusetts says this and it's just like it, it's not it's not the everyday language it's not what people absorb and it's not what they're responsive to so I really quickly learned that you know I don't need to be Lane Norton to have you know a say and I've you know through myself my clients and you know what the company stands for and the scientific backing that you know the concept in itself already simplistically has doesn't doesn't need any more bells and whistles. And is there an ideal sort of meal frequency in your opinion? I don't believe so. I think like just um, giving, well, I know, I know. So it's like calories in, calories out on a, on a periodic basis. So essentially you need to be periodically in a deficit, periodically in a surplus or periodically maintaining to achieve either or of those results. So um, I always say just keep it consistent. So, you know, especially like for shift workers and whatnot, they may not have um, sort of like, you know, control or power over their meal timings. It is what it is. Um, so just give yourself a 24 hour block and, you know, monitor your meal timing in that particular way. I will say though, like I do think, um, you know, if you want to go a little bit deeper into it um, around meal times is, you know, there's, there's particular studies and whatnot, and even on personal preference, um, you know, having carbs or, and whatnot or meals around meal timings can have impact without overcomplicating things. But um, yeah, for the most part, you don't need to be eating every two hours to fire the metabolism like the diet industry says. Yeah, I know when I skip breakfast, come three or four o'clock, I'm wanting to eat the kitchen cupboards. Oh yeah, for sure. Like that, and I think that's the thing with intermittent fasting as well. Like that's gained a lot of confusion in the industry as well because people think that intermittent fasting leads to fat loss, but in fact, a calorie deficit equates to fat loss, and intermittent fasting is just another means to an end, right? So it's just another way to create that calorie deficit through eliminating your very first meal and having it backloaded in the end of the day. And how important is tracking calories in your opinion? Honestly, I really believe it's paramount because, it, and, it, and it has a place in every phase of the journey. I think in the initial phase, once you start tracking your calories, you have a really good self-awareness of maybe your weak links and where you might go wrong on the nutrition front. But then second to that as well, you really 
give yourself the education piece surrounding making good food choices. You understand what a protein source is. You understand what a carb source is. You understand what a fat source is. And as a result, what is calorie dense and what is, you know, a good bang for your buck, so to speak. So I think in the early stages, it's really important. I think when you're maintaining, it's also important because the best gauge of your progress is how your body's responding. So whether that be weight on the scales in conjunction with, you know, whether your clothes are fitting a little tighter or on a physical front with photos, you're looking a little bit different. Um, tracking can bring you back to into gear. If you're sort of leading yourself astray, you might, you know, track one day and think, oh, fuck, I'm eating a little bit. Oh, can I swear on this? Yeah, yeah, go yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, shoot, I might be eating a little bit more than what I anticipated and, and whatnot. And tracking just gives you that accountability. Um, there is, there has been some speculation about, you know, whether tracking your calories can lead to a poor relationship with food, but I mean, I think overeating can lead to a poor relationship with food or, you know, not eating for your body's needs can lead to a bad relationship with food. But a lot of people who say that just essentially don't want to know, they don't want to know what they're consuming. And some people don't have to, like some people have really good foundational relationships with food and eat quite consistently on a day to day, don't have blowouts, et cetera, et cetera. And for those people, maybe tracking isn't for them. But I think if you're on a fat loss journey, that accountability piece is really important. Yeah, and you just put it up really well, like clean eating. Um, you just put it up side by side, a photo of what looks like a perfect day. And then you put next to it a photo of what looks like, you know, it's an ice cream after dinner, a packet yep. of chips in the middle of the day. And um, I guess it's, a huge difference. the degree of fats yeah. and not different. Yeah. Definitely. Like just because you think that you're eating healthy doesn't mean calorically you're doing your body any favors. I mean, I was my absolute heaviest weight, which was 78 kilos when I was 20, I think I was 21 years old, perhaps 20 years old, um, 78 kilos. And I didn't touch processed food, anything that didn't come from the ground or an animal, I would not eat. And so you would say like, textbook wise I'd be the healthiest that I would ever be but I was the most overweight that I ever was and it's because when I and when I started tracking I put like my typical day in um, my fitness pal when I first started tracking my cows and I, I could not believe it. I was eating about 2,800 calories a day and my diet was comprised of avocado salmon nuts eggs you know just good, good good shit brown rice like healthy nutrient dense foods and I was consuming so many calories yeah health and weight loss i guess two different i always say quality and quantity go hand in hand so you shouldn't take your eye off quality foods but in the same time you need to co concentrate on portions as well if you want to regulate that cows in cows out i got that written down here that i kind of took away from your pages portions how important is understanding what a portion is hugely important hugely important because portion control equates to calorie control essentially so the more you eat the more energy you're intaking and the less you eat, the more you're controlling your energy intake. Yeah. And how do you feel when you get sent the transformation photos that, you know, you post regularly? I think it goes, I think it goes without saying that it's like, it's a very emotionally driven business and service. And, um, you know, my business partner and I, even all these years on is still very hands-on in that regard in terms of like our clients overall success we sort of are here to celebrate the wins and my girls get really, really, really excited. Like all the nutrition coaches, we'd like really, you know, grouse transformation. So I think we're like really involved founders and really involved staff as well. Um, so we get hugely excited. Um, and I think, you know, just like 
the, I, I feel the same six years on as I did, you know, in year one when we see those amazing transformations. What is it that you guys do that really get your staff to buy into it as much as you guys do? Um, I think a lot of it comes down to company culture, the workspace. You know, we have just a really um, engaged team, not only with each other, but with our clients. And I think nutrition is an area, you know, sort of like art or, you know, textiles or something like that. When you're dealing with something that is like emotionally driven, it's really hard not to be emotionally invested. So I think a lot of my staff members, as are Amal and I, you know, we're just we're just really like, we just really invested in the client and, um, you know, you're not, everyone's always happy with this. Like when you're a service provider, you know, you can provide the best service and it's subjective, right? So, you know, not everyone can be like totally satisfied because being an emotional service, we deal with emotional people, right? And there's a lot of people that are battling not only weight issues, but then also like mindset and and mental issues that go hand in hand with that as well um, a lot of people gain weight as a result of really traumatic times of their life and so you you sometimes deal with like different kettles of fish in terms of people so it's not to say that everyone is always like super satisfied but for the most part we're always dealing with happy clients we're always as a result then having like a really happy environment that we work in and do you have like a goal that you aim for for a week like is it a kilo a week half a kilo a week well the thing is it's really I would say like healthy sustainable fat loss is about that 250 gram to 500 gram amount like amount per week um that's just straight off the bat but obviously dependent person to person um but we really emphasize that the scales are not the be all and end all and you only have to look into like the number of factors that affect and impact the number of scales to to recognize why it's not paramount um, so that's it's why we take a number of data points as a company on a weekly basis. So in the check-in, we take progress photos, um, body measurements, and then also weight as well as different um, data points relating to that particular client, like water intake, hormones, whether they dined out and whatnot, um, because I think overall it can impact the number one, it does impact the number on the scale. So for that reason, weight loss can vary person to person and someone can have an amazing body composition change and the scales might not even budge that much. So I guess it's just like looking at all those data points. Someone with really, really bad habits, um, how important is just making small changes? Very important. Um, Making small changes, but first and foremost, just making a commitment and starting you know I I remember back in the day when you know I was my heaviest like just that first decision to do something about it was pretty paramount it was important and it was it's a it's a vow to yourself you know you sort of take your hand in the marriage of commitment and say I'm you know till death do me part I need to achieve this goal because it's overall going to benefit my health and happiness and wellness and whatnot and as someone who um, did, did kind of get into a bit of a dark burrow on my weight loss journey just because I was so heavy for myself when I started. Um, I can say coming out the other end that it, it, it 100% changed my life and it can be the best decision that you ever make once you choose to change your, you know, your, your state of health. And how important is meal prep, do you feel? Um. You know what? I actually, I think preparation overall is key, but meal prep prep itself, I have to say that it wasn't really an important part of my journey. And I can say that it works for some and it doesn't work for others in terms of 
um, clientele as well because I think everyone's day-to-day looks different. Everyone's lifestyle looks different. Everyone's discipline is different. So some people can have, you know, like access to, you know, a workplace pantry or kitchen or something like that and can make a good choice based on understanding what their body needs and what they may have for the rest of the day, which is really important when it comes to dieting, understanding your diet in the context of the whole day and how each meal is a a piece of that pie, like how it contributes to it. Um, But as for meal prep as such, I mean, I've done some nasty line the Tupperware containers up and flog it for, you know, days straight and I just think unnecessary now. So I guess there's a time and place, yeah, like depending on how busy your life is and how good you are are in the kitchen. Exactly, exactly. For me, just didn't really work. Yeah. Um, Your book, I've actually got it here. Thank you. I haven't read it. I've started but haven't got far through it. Um, What was the inspo behind that? Um, Well, of course, I I got approached by Bauer Media, which is the company that um, published the book, which I was like hugely hugely grateful for um so i think when they approached me they sort of saw evolution as having like a really strong message to share so it was just another way for me to sort of encapsulate that message and and share it in another way that people can pick it up and have access to it i guess so um it was a cool experience i love writing there's so much um content in there i know that there is flicking through it like i was um expecting probably half the amount of information to be yeah, no, it was a, it, it was a big piece and um i did it all on my own too a lot of people say oh do you have a writer i bloody wish i had a writer but yeah no i did it all on my own it was it was all fun and you were always pretty natural with your writing yeah and my words shit ass at numbers amal always says that that Mal's my business partner but amal always says that if um if it wasn't for me, we wouldn't have clients. And if it wasn't for her, our clients wouldn't lose weight because she's really, <laughs> she's the numbers girl and I'm the um I'm the the, the vocals of the business. Yeah, nice. Mm. I think you've nailed it. I thought I had a million questions for you, but we've skimmed over them really quick, which is which yeah. is nice. Cool, cool. Um, a few questions before we wrap it up. Tell us something yeah. about you that no one would know. Um, I actually I was sitting on this one because I didn't know whether do you want like a flex like a bit of a <laughs> yeah yeah moment yeah I was actually the national debating and public speaking champion when I was in um high school which is so funny to think how about. good yeah not many people know that best piece of advice you've ever been given um you know what um my business partner actually in the very early days like the very first week we started our business she transferred me my wage and it was 240 bucks and I shat myself I was like oh god what have we done because we quit our full-time jobs at Google to start the company and um I really lost my way in that week because I was thinking have we made a really stupid decision and she it wasn't so much advice but it was more mentality she just rest assured me that we were on a path that we were meant to be on and just to hang in there so I think like yeah it was more a state of mind that was the best thing that ever happened to me really that she taught and from that first paycheck how long was it before you were like okay I've made a good decision I think I started seeing glimmers of it in the first year. Yeah, 12 yeah. months. Yeah, first 12 months. And it wasn't necessarily that, like, 
you know, I was ready to move out of home and pay all my bills on my own or anything like that. But it was more just like the growth satisfaction. Like I just felt like there was more interest surrounding the brand. We were creating a brand. We were creating a community. There was awareness. There was interest. And I think as a business owner, a key uh, point of validation is when you've got customers willing to buy. And that for me was always a get up and go motivator. Yeah, and how hard did you girls work and what sort of sacrifices did you make to get this up and going? I'm 28 and I'm single and I don't have any property assets. My money is tied up in in tech and so I guess that in itself is like <laughs> pretty big. Um, early 20s, bit of a blur, didn't go out, didn't really even double with alcohol until like 25 so yeah, fair how bit. old were you when you made the jump at Google? Uh, 22, 22, yeah. It's nice, good. I love it. Yeah. Where do you want to be in five years? Well, I mean, I kind of always saw myself being married to Equolution, but I've since learned, uh, I've since learned coming into this business that I'm not just passionate about nutrition, but I'm passionate about health. I'm, pa- I'm passionate about fitness, well-being you know, mindset, self-development. Um, it's something that I've really dabbled with in a lot of different ways since sort of like opening my eyes and mind and opportunities up within the company. So I really hope to keep investing in the tech space, but for a number of different channels, I'm developing a mobile app at the moment that will be um, for people who train um, and also for personal trainers as well. So Um, I'm really looking forward to sort of like dabbling in some more business ventures that sort of satisfy my overall passion for just making people the best version of themselves and healthier. And are you a big goal setter or not really? Sort of a bit of a gut feeling kind of girl. Like I do like to think that I always have like the next step kind of, you know, in the forefront of my mind, but I don't really believe in like, I can't say I don't believe in goal setting because I think having goals is really important, but I think you need to be flexible in your methods to get there. So I kind of have a bit of a go with the flow, but also a bit of a, you know, kind of like reach for the stars kind of mindset. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Do you have a favorite quote? The only way out is through is my absolute favorite quote and it'll stick with me till I'm six foot under. (laughs) Yeah, love it. Love it. Where can the listeners find you? Um, they can find me on my Instagram handle, Jade Spooner. Um, my business page is Equolution. Um, so it's like equal and then U-T-I-O-N. Yeah, if you're not following that, there's so much good content there. Yeah, you give away so much for free. Yeah, it's pretty grass. And I've just started my own podcast channel called Just Doing It as well, um, which I host. And Your first episode went live yesterday, was it? It was yesterday, yeah. Did a little sneaky trailer on um sunday but then put the first step out yesterday with one of my good mates so yeah it was yeah, cool nice. we just bounced off each other thank you very very much for your time how um how long's the book been out actually um i think it came out around november last year yeah so it's worth getting as well for anyone yeah, listening. Hands, so much hands on. Yeah. yeah little taste thank of pollution there thank you so much I, I really love what you're doing thank you so much thanks for supporting me no worries. I'm sick of us not doing this right. That's why I think I'm cutting you from my life. No more. I'm sick of us not doing this right. That's why I think I'm cutting you from my life. No more. Wasted energy spending the pace for every hour of waste. I need an escape to center me. And I don't mean to make a rush for the door. But time's a currency. I'm currently poor. I'll be leaving it soon. I don't mean to be rude. But this is.
Thanks for listening, guys. If you like this episode, take a screenshot, pop it on your Instagram story, uh, tag Jade, tag me, and uh, let's share this podcast together. Uh, Until next time, later.